And we're live on the Weirdos Only Podcast. Today is a special event. We have Vincent Aguilar, uh, licensed clinical therapist. Is that in... Um, what you said, you're, uh, you're the supervisor. Uh, also you're clinical the, supervisor of interns there at okay. the new place I'm at. But yeah, it's a licensed marriage family therapist. Um, again, that's a, a term that's coined, you know, I think because people say like, well, so you deal with marriages and, you know, families only. No, no, it's very individual because uh, like Thomas Burton said, uh, we don't live on an island, right? So uh, we deal first individually, see how that's going. And it's more of an integrative approach. Yeah. You bring in your wife and you bring in your family members and hopefully that would be a more, um, you know, holistic approach to mental health. I think, um, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea who Thomas Burton is, but (laughs) Thomas Burton, (laughs) but I know Tim Burton. Um, but, uh, um, I mean, I would say a lot of our, a lot of the people that listen are like kind of millennials. Sure. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some and a little bit older. I know that, you know, friends that I know that are a little bit older that listen, but, um, I would say that the people to reach out to and and what we're seeing also in some of those um some of the the people that go to to therapy and people need to be reached out it seems like the millennials are kind of they're it's kind of the tipping point they're kind of tipping into you know going to therapy um but like latinos in general are like at that lower end is from from my research at least is just like latinos are very are very low within you know the rate of going to therapy and you as a I've been in I've been going to therapy I'd say maybe four years consistently and I think I've you know been like uh I've been through three therapists mm-hmm. and you're the only Latino male therapist that I've seen in yeah. in the hallways or anywhere that I went you know what I mean <laughs> even if I went to them or not well yeah I mean it's uh I have these numbers here that I brought with us here Saw so 141 clients last year, 141, 16%, a little bit less than 60%. Hispanic males, 23% Hispanic females. What do you think about those numbers? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm a part of the 16%. Yes, you are. You're very special. You understand emotional availability and how important that is and having that, uh, approachability um, is so important in every interpersonal relationship in every interpersonal relationship it's it's good to be uh, have those mirror neurons yeah you know you know when we talk didn't we talk one day about mirror neurons I don't know about mirror neurons yeah, we talked about a lot of things didn't we? I, I remember and I, I've even told this story on the on the podcast that I remember my first session you're wearing your ring and I actually don't have my ring on today, but, uh, and you asked me what was my ring for? I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I remember. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And so you, you know, I was like, Oh, it's for my dad. And you were like, well, what do you think my ring is? And that's why I was like, all right, this guy's cool. I was like, this guy, this guy knows what's up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'll tell you two, two things about that. Um, and I'm no authority again, you know, this podcast, I really want to get out there. You know, my experience is really with, um, uh, Mexican-American, native Mexicans. Um, there is a trend in Guatemalans, uh, El Salvadorian, you know, Salvadoreños, Mexicanos, Guatemaltecos. 
but I certainly don't want to speak for all the Latino or, or Hispanic population. You know, when we're talking really, um, my father's from Jalisco, my mother's from Mexico City, and I imagine you, uh, your parents are- my, Yeah, my family's from Jalisco. Both, okay. both my parents are from the same town mm-hmm. in Autlan, Jalisco. Same Outland. town that uh, Carlos Santana's from. Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe next time we'll have some background. Uh, Oh, I no, I can't afford that. I can't afford to pay the rice for the Carlos Santana one. You know, then they yeah. then they take me down off of Spotify. <laughs> you, got you know, but I think that mm-hmm. you know one one thing that I I've noticed at least is I think that the sometimes the fear or like even even my experience like I went you know I went to I would say I went to college I would say I'm fairly educated you know I mean obviously you could always learn more but I've had the backlash from like my own. I would say people from Latinos, they're like, oh, you're whitewashed or you're, you know, you think you're all that, you know, because you went to college or whatever. And I think that 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 may uh, that may be also that correlates when people go to to therapy. They're like, oh, he you know, even if they go to you, even they see a Latino, they'll still be like, oh, he doesn't get it. He's not Latino. He's not like he's not in the streets. Like he doesn't get what's going on out here. Because at you know obviously in your in your later age you're not you're not a kid but you're a lot more polished now than you know maybe you were when you were 23 or, or you know 24 trying to figure out life you know what I mean and that's when those that's when those kids are trying to figure shit out and they like you had said before you need somebody that who's been through it somebody who's older somebody who's well, who's, yeah. who's fucked up and you know you know but it's kind of ironic uh, what do they say tú tranquilo yo nervioso Okay, tú tranquilo, yo nervioso. Well, if I'm nervioso, don't I have to talk to somebody? You know, the Señor de los Cielos, you know, the, the saying of those narcos? Yeah. Okay, tú tranquilo, yo nervioso. What does that mean? You tranquilo, let me go. Yeah, I'm going to get, you know, I'm nervous. So yeah. if I'm nervous, right, who do I have to talk to? I'm a cartel guy. What do you mean? Sopranos, man. Doesn't he have his therapist? Oh, so I'm You don't think Chapo yeah. should have a therapist? Yeah, I mean, they... Well, it's like a. If you, was it? Um, I, I, that just made me think of the the Godfather. Yeah. Where he has uh, his consigliere, right? His, mm-hmm. his his lawyer, and he's he basically his his. Yeah, I mean, they call it a consigliere, but that's that's an Italian term, but it's the same thing like confidant, like sure. you know, somebody you trust, somebody you go to, somebody who you can bounce shit off of. Um, and it's actually one thing you I know, I know that you had mentioned um, talking about like suicide rates within the latino community and i actually found which was surprising it was actually a good a good thing not that they're 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 still about like average but um because it's not wait let's take it back a little bit the suicide rates aren't great nationwide they're very bad but within the latino community they haven't risen which is good to some extent that which they were saying and they're a little bit lower too and that may be sometimes the, the the fact of the community too like you know like you you have your community you stick together a little bit more maybe that could be it as well but that's one thing that i found and i was like oh that's kind of interesting but um what what does it say within within the entire suicide rates what i found is the center for disease control prevention um recently asked young adults which was us because within older it was actually lower so like lower i don't know if latinos are just like you know they're sucking it up or something you know older <laughs> you know but within young adults if they had thoughts about killing themselves in the past 30 days and this was recently because of covid and all this stuff so they put out a poll and said one in four 
young adults had thought about killing themselves during COVID. Well, you know, you, you know that's that's a fleeting SI, okay? What we call fleeting suicidal ideation, okay? In um, you know, one could theorize that if you have um, youths, right, they're younger, let's say age till eighteen, and their suicide's been stable, one could say, you know, it. And I'm no neuroscientist, but twelve years old is when you start shifting your alpha. Okay, it comes from your Mother and father, now it shifts to your peer group. Yeah. Okay? That's when you start seeking the approval of your peers. And, you know, your parents, well, they don't know as much. They're, you know, what does he know, right? Okay. So now they're not with their peers as much, right? They're not with the peers. So they're more at home, more with their family. Yeah. Or understand that might be a good thing, right? So now they can speak. The fathers may be a little bit more approachable. The moms may be more involved uh, as opposed to before COVID. They were more out in the streets, out with their friends, out, you know, had that influence. The Again, that the alpha was the peer well, group. I think, well, what I actually, I, I want to flip that because I think the what the, that wasn't, I actually made, I think I made a mistake. The, it was the divorce rates that were lower in Latinos. Divorce rates? Are yeah. Lower. Divorce wow. rates are lower in Latinos. But... That also may be machismo. What's that? Machismo, like you're not fucking leaving me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and a lot of the times it's like you stay because of the, the pressure of the community, right? I know that I have family like that, that they stay in bad marriages or whatever it may be because of the, the optics that it's going to do. You don't leave your man. You don't, you know what I mean? You don't do that. Or, you know, the optics that people see. So they think of everybody outside as opposed to like, well, what's best for me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to, you open up the door of machismo. Okay. Machismo is a cultural, I would think, a cultural defect, you know, a cultural flaw, character flaw, that you would see where it's this almost narcissism light, you know, like coke light, where we feel that we no, light like a like, light fixture or like no, no like light, diet. like light, you know, like you know, it's it's almost that hyper, you know, masculinity, like you know, okay, I um. You know, I really mask my insecurities, okay, by subjugation and, you know, trying to figure that um, I don't have to be emotionally available. Uh, I don't have to be vulnerable. And as we know, vulnerability is what? The fuel of love. If there really uh, is no vulnerability in the relationships, how could there be love? Okay. So having uh, or taking the stance of... Um, you know, it's my way or the highway. Mira, así se va a hacer si lo quieres, si no está la puerta. You know, that kind of, you know, stance. You know, well, okay, you know, um, what's going to happen? It's going to build what? Resentments. Okay, after resentments, what's going to happen? Withhold affection. Okay, your wife's going to withhold affection. Now you give yourself permission to have an extramarital affair. Okay. Mm -hmm. So pretty much there's the snowball where you say to yourself, hey, it's okay for me to actually uh, have an affair because my wife's withholding affection. Well, maybe yeah. she's withholding affection because you're not very emotionally available or you're not very vulnerable. But that's also like what in the um, in the, the Brene Brown book, what is it, the, the Gifts of Imperfection, yeah. it's, it's also a, a, 
a form of, I mean, to some extent, abuse as well, right? To to withhold affection and to, you know, it's like a it's it's a trait that's like a like, like I, I don't know if she mentions it in that way. I'd have to look at the page, but she says that that's like something that obviously, as you meant, we had talked about before, hurts the connection, right? Like mm -hmm. because instead of communicating, you withhold affection. Now, right? Yeah, and and we'll we'll go into that, but let me um, think about uh, something that I've seen in therapy as a. Uh, we're humans, okay, basically. Come home, you know, bring home uh, all the stuff, all the, you know, exhaustion that work brings us. We come home, right? We sit down. Most of us don't eat together anymore. Most of us do our own thing. And, you know, husband comes home. He's Drive watching through. Netflix, you know, and uh, I'm bringing home making dinner. And, and uh, we Every spend that quality time, right? Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's on their phone, you know, and um, we come to do it. And if the only conversation we're going to have, you know, is negative, negative in tone. Only when something comes up, yeah. that's when you converse. Then. And yeah, you comes up. Exactly. Yeah. When something comes up is to say, hey, what's going on? You know, there's no conflict resolution. Okay. You're, you brought something up and now what? I, I, you know, when you think about resentments. You know, in, in a presentation I gave, it's, it's, you know, when it's really, there's a resentment is if you told me something that I could forget a week from now. But, you know, a below the belt statement, it really hits underlying schemas. Underlying schemas are patterns, family of origins. Yeah. Maybe my father used to say to me, you know, no sirves para nada. But he, he was the machismo, kind of like the thing. Because he's para nada, like you're good yeah. for nothing. But he didn't mean it that way. He was an ill intended to tell me that no so he went about another, right? My dad, my uh, dad. Okay, okay, we'll get to that. All right, we'll get to that. It's just a comment that his dad said that, right? But my dad had a good saying that was funny. You and I just heard it before. It says, manos de estómago. You know what that means? No, what is that? Mean? Todo lo que todo lo que tocas haces mierda. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's funny, but at the time he's like, fuck, like you know, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's gut level cognition. You know, <laughs> you go. But anyways, let me let me put a spin on. Now you got me on here. Okay. Um, well, what was I saying? Where was I at? Yeah. Now they got me that. Dude. <laughs> well, you're saying like the the like. You're oh saying, yeah, let's go back then. Okay, you have uh, you have uh, Canelo, right? He's winning the fight. All right, he's winning the fight. You know, hits the boom, boom, everything's great. You know, he's winning. All of a sudden, boom, a low blow. Up, oh, take a point off. All right, he's going. He's getting there. Another low blow. Okay, mm -hmm. take another point off. Okay, it's pretty soon. Okay, comes down decision. Canelo did a perfect. Perfect fight. It's everything. The other guy wins. Why? Too many low blows. Too many low blows. Same in a marriage. There's certain things we do not say. We Who was throwing the low blows, though? The, the Canelo. He was hitting low blows. Let's say he was under the belt. I mean, I'm oh, not saying okay, he's okay. doing it. It's just an analogy. Oh, yeah, no. I was okay. saying if he didn't win, who was throwing the low blows or something? Exactly. He, he would actually throw those low blows, and he's, you know, everybody's poised to win. But he was just careless, and it makes you it makes you close yourself off, right? Like even I mean, I'm a huge boxing fan, so like if I think, man, if this if this dude keeps coming below the belt, I'm expecting it. So before it even comes, or or it's not even coming, but I'm like protecting myself against it, and so then it creates that you know for you to kind of be more 
one, like you said, the resentment, but also more closed off because you're expecting the low blow. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like when you're like, I mean, I guess it's a guy thing. I don't know if girls can relate, but like mm-hmm. when guys freaking hit each other in the nuts, like all, you know, like in college, like, oh, like, you know, punch somebody in the, well, like, you I know, don't, I don't, I it's not my thing. That. It's not my thing, but there's those certain guys that do <laughs> stuff like that. And you're just kind of like, then you're more defensive. And it's just like I said, like, it's a defensive, like, like, sure. It's the reflex now. And then it, it it creates what it's it's that um, operative learning right because when this happens every time every time I come home from work or something or every time we get an argument I already know that low blow is coming you know I already know that's coming so I'm like just anticipating it or every time things are things are going good like they always whether if there's maybe an, an issue with intimacy you know they're gonna start pulling back or whatever it may be so then you're like you kind of you if you find it difficult to let that go sometimes because of that you know, operative learning. At least I think so. I don't know if you can. Well, one of the things when I was saying about the low blows, it's it's deeper than, a, than, than creating a resentment, okay? Yeah. Because it's, it's family of origin, okay? So, again, I'll go back to when my father, let's say, you know, uh, what about an eye? You're not good for anything, right? Whatever. And he lightheartedly said it. It wasn't Ill, ill-intended. And then all of a sudden, say my wife says one day, you know, I'm trying to fix... Timing belt and something, and I'm taking too long, and you're good for nothing. You know, God, God, get well. What happens? That's now? a hard one. The timing belt's hard. What, well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I mean, all of a sudden, what's that? That's a deep seated schema. Okay, pull the belt. Yeah. Now, how am I not going to wolf hold perfection? It's just you, you, you. That's a hurt button. So as time goes by. We resent the fact that I've been together with you 10 years and you know what really hurts me. And you know that that's not the place you die. You should go because that's the stuff I experienced, you know, when I was a kid. That's the stuff I experienced that hurt me. I was bullied or certain things were said to me. And I was vulnerable at one time in my life. And I opened up to you. Okay. Now you use that against me. When wherever we're mad, you say that to me. So how can I not withhold affection? Yeah. Do you say what you say? Because that's a low blow. You know, that's something that, you know, it's it's um, it's deeper than resentment. Okay. It's like a Terry Me Sue cake. You know, it's just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit going dough. You hit me, hit me, the low belts, low, low blows, and all of a sudden it tips over. Okay. Now, uh, unfortunately, um, we we lose sight of that. We lose sight of of uh, things that we shouldn't say uh, because you know it's sometimes it's that uh, in couples therapy I really have a I guess uh, what worked for me and what uh, works for for many couples is um, listen listen excuse me listen with the gift of presence process with empathy. And speak softly and slowly. That's communication. Yeah. To me, what is the gift of presence? You know, I come home, you know, and I'm I'm not in the headspace, and 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 we're, you know, I've just had a horrible day, a horrible day at work, and my wife comes in, and I say, you know, term of endearment, sweetheart, uh, uh, I love you, but I'm not in the headspace. Um, could we talk about this? At, well, you know, when the kids go to bed, let's let's talk about this maybe at 10 o'clock at night. 
so I can give you the gift of presence. So I can be present and I could I could listen to you. Okay. So then it's nine o'clock, ten o'clock, kids went to bed, and I'm sitting there now, deactivated. I feel in a good comfort zone, and I say, you know, darling, what what is it? Uh, what 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 would you like? Would you like to vent? Because I'm here for that. Or would you like my opinion? That's very important too. That's a very important distinction. Sometimes you know we don't want an opinion. We don't want an opinion. We just want to vent. It's very important to say, is is it that you want to vent, or do you want my opinion? And sometimes you know. People go right to the fix it mode. Fix it, fix it. Yeah, I'm not listening because I'm already thinking of your solution. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of already your solution. So how do we avoid that? Well, would you like to vent? Yes, honey, I would like to vent. Tell me, what happened? What happened? This, 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 this. What's important now? I parroted it back. Also, oh, is this is what I'm hearing? No, 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 no. You left off this. Oh, okay. So let me parrot it back. That's so you're saying parrot. Yeah, like, parrot. Yeah, like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like mm -hmm. repeat yeah. it. Repeat it back. Yeah. Uh -huh. And that's the gift of presence. Giving somebody the gift of presence is, is saying, okay, I'm here, but I'm not, you know, at work and thinking about this and thinking about what's going on. Yeah. I'm listening. And the way you know I'm listening, not just eye contact, the way you know I'm listening, I parrot it back to you. And then I sit there and say, okay. And I said, I'm here with you. I'm present with you. Yeah. And then at that point, she might say, what's your opinion? And then I said, okay, let me process that with empathy. Let me process that without judgment. Yeah. And then at that point, automatically you see softly and you speak slowly. Okay. Because you're processing it with empathy. When you process something with judgment, it's very difficult to speak softly and slowly. Automatically, your cadence goes up. Okay? So, in order for us to really, I believe, in a marriage to communicate, three ingredients. Okay? Give each other, give each other the gift of presence. Okay? Meaning, I am present now. There's nothing more important in my life than to listen to you right now. Nothing more important. Yeah. Secondly, when I listen to you, okay, I'm processing it with what? With empathy, meaning I'm processing it mindfully. Okay, that's why I call, I coined this term empathic mindfulness. Means when I'm processing it, I, even if I don't believe your point is right or wrong, I think you have the right or the wrong, it doesn't matter. I'm listening to your side of the story. Okay, because your side of the story could come from schema, remember pattern, from family of origin. That's the way you're seeing it. Yeah. Okay, so as I'm processing it, okay, then, okay, I hear you, I parrot it back. And if it's something that's conflict resolution, okay, if it's in terms of conflict resolution, I'm not a real fan of agree to disagree. I'm more of a fan of let's sleep on it. Okay, what you're saying is, is valid, and let me express what I'm saying, and then you express your point of view. I mean, and she actually, actually parrots it back, okay? And at that point, let's sleep on it, and then we come to a compromise. 
Maybe the next day, maybe the next day. That fix-it mentality, that I, we have to fix it. Estamos in Costco, right? Costco. Big issue there, man. We got to fix it right there. You know, right? what's going on? There's no empathic list. There's no gift of presence. You know, they yeah. want, it's the wrong what? It's the wrong place. Okay, it's the wrong place to process. It's the wrong place to listen. And it's certainly not going to be soft. And it's certainly likely to be slow. But are you sleeping on it because you need to be in a better place? Or, you know what I mean? Uh, no, you need to reflect. You need to reflect with two, two, dialectically. With logic, rationale, and creativity, and emotions. Dialectic. That's what's called the wise mind. When you take, when I process it, when I sleep over it, you know, piénsalo. What do they say? Piénsalo. Okay? Date un día. Date tu tiempo. What if, what if at that point it's already been, they've already kind of hashed it out and they, you know, like you said, you came home at night. They've been thinking about this since the day before. They've had the time to think. And they compromised and they made an agreement that fit them both? On their own is my point. And then they came to you. Uh, what do you, do you mean? mean? What, like basically like their, whatever the conflict was happened the day before mm -hmm. and they've been sitting on it and then they say, hey, you know, I'd like to talk. Okay. And then I'd say, do you still say, let's table this for tomorrow, let's sleep on it, or? Well, if it's something that I don't agree with, let's say, okay, I don't agree with, like I, I don't agree with your approach on how you want to, um, you know, talk to your boss about this, but you want to vent about your boss, mm -hmm. I'd say, hold off, let's talk about it later. Right now you're very heated. Right now it might not be the time, okay? So let me help you with this if you'd like. And then maybe we'll talk about some assertive communication in which you can reach your, your boss. That's if it's that one-sided. Now, if the issue's with me, okay, and then now we need to compromise because I don't agree, and then you don't agree, it's kind of a standoff, then we sleep it over and we think about it and we process it maybe a day after or a day after that and then come to an agreement. There's nothing you can't uh, come to a compromise, you know, about. but it's, it really takes a lot of, um, you know, soul searching. Yeah. Find about how important your marriage is to you. Uh, there's a lot of elements to, to conflict resolution. Yeah, and that that's why I don't want to make it so black and white either, you know. Sure. Because I think that a lot of the times there could be somebody who is a maybe better communicator, um, maybe somebody who, it like, because I think what happens sometimes too is that if you come to that, like if, if you're somebody who's like, well, you know what, let's relax, let's, you know, let, let, let's take a second. Let's really think about this. You know, a lot of the times you have, you know, the avoidant or, or the anxious that's either going to run away or just going to be like, no, let's, then they go on all these different tangents and just shake shit up even more. And they just want, or, or conflict is something that's very natural to them. Right. I think that, you know, a lot of the times when going back to like family of origin and schema, like a lot of the times when something is healthy and i've been in a relationship where you know like i would say it was healthy but to me it was quote unquote boring you know because i was like oh well i'm not fixing anything here or there's you know so that, but i had to be conscious of it to say okay this is actually it's because it's healthy because there's a communication you know it feels a little bit like oh why isn't she jealous or why isn't she like you know checking up on me to where like you know you you, you develop these unhealthy um, I would say be, behaviors are just the thoughts that you know you think are, is what a relationship should be, right? Because you think you know, like when I was when I was nineteen, I had 
you know, partner who was jealous. And so then what did that do? Well, I was like, well, I guess I have to be jealous too. And I have to tell her not to, you know, okay. talk to people or whatever, maybe. And I oh, outgrew that and definitely understood that that wasn't good. But it also, I, I think back to, like I mentioned, like the machismo, you know, where like my dad was very much a macho. So then I'm like, I also went to the other, I don't know if I went to the full extreme, but also said I didn't want to be that. So that's why, you know, I taught myself to cook and clean and, and not be a macho because, uh, you know, I love my mom. And I was like, well, I don't want to treat, you know, a woman like a macho and, and disrespect her because I saw my mom was, you know, a hardworking woman. Like, I didn't feel that she should. But, but you know, we, we also have to understand, I think, we should, I think, you know, we should understand cultural, cultural mm-hmm. traits. You know, sometimes it's passed down. The machismo's passed down. Okay, that machismo, his, maybe his father was that way. And he, it's a learned behavior. It's a learned way of, of living. It's, 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 you know, it's that control, that need for control. You know, that need to, to see I'm the head of the household. I'm the provider. If I'm the provider, then I know what needs to be done. And, you know, that, that I don't need the input kind of stuff. You know, my wife doesn't have a voice. When they should have a voice. Yeah. And it builds resentment. So, you know, for the sake of the podcast here, okay, let's do a little role play. Okay? Let's do a little role play here. No, you, you know, you're, you're, you're my wife. Okay? Yeah, why did I have to be the wife? Why did I have to be the wife? Okay? You're the wife. Okay? You come here. You're all anxious. So where do you work? And you come in here. And, uh, and then let's, let me be that empathic uh, Latino a husband. All right, let's go. I'm just a better looking one. That's why I got to be the wife. Yeah. Okay. I'm a, yeah. I'm curvy like a '67 mm-hmm. Mustang. <laughs> okay. Call me Eleanor. You got it. Okay, Eleanor. Eleanora. Okay, come through the door, Eleanora. So, what's the role play? What do you What do you mean, like? Well, you're gonna come in here with a problem. Okay, you didn't d d. Uh, what do you mean? You came in here all flustered and is that a problem work? with you or a problem that I have? Either way, the problem that you have that you're bringing from your boss and you're just you know deferred anger or deferred anxiety. Anxiety, as you know, is contagious. Yeah. Okay. So you're coming in and and you want to vent and I want to fix it because I don't want to deal with this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to be that um, you know non-empathic guy first. Okay. So you're going to come off and you work marketing departments and you know your boss is being unreasonable yeah okay and you're coming in and okay so i do i need to make like a woman voice no no it's okay okay. oh it's 2021 it's okay Mm -hmm. um well i'm i'm I'm, I've, i've i've just about basically had it with you know with work i just i just feel like I just wake up and I just go in and I I do I do great work and nobody nobody appreciates me there and you know every time I I go and I print something out it's like it's like I'm stealing paper and you know they just they just they just don't appreciate me and then and then I come home and what 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 you, what are you doing what 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 are you doing you need to make dinner I have to do everything what. Are you like, finished? Are you finished? Um, are you well, finished? Yeah, am I finished? I'm are not finished. I'm not finished. I got there's plenty. Are you finished? There's plenty more. Okay. There's plenty okay. more. Okay. You left the dishes okay. in the okay. sink. How much is our mortgage? How much is our mortgage? Oh. Okay. How much oh, about money? Okay. How much about mortgage? It's always about money. Okay. How much about mortgage? Okay. It's eight grand, right? Look where you live, right? You live in Del Mar, right? Okay. Who brings in the money, huh? 
We don't even have a trade. I've Joe's. already told you. I've already told you. Do you need to work? Do you actually need to work? Did I tell you to go work? I like to work. It makes me feel useful. Okay, well, you got two kids. Make my own Why money. Why don't you feel useful with that? Why don't I go to work and you raise the kids? You gonna make my type of money? Oh, go ahead. You gonna travel to the Middle East? You gonna travel to uh, to Malaysia? All the stuff that I need to do. You're a money launderer. <laughs> not going over there. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, okay. Let's uh, let's now. Uh, everybody knows that. <laughs> so what's the what's so what's the role play? What is the okay? All right. Dismissive. Dismissive of what your feelings. Dismissive of your situation. I'm thinking what. Of your logic. What are you also thinking of yourself? Of course. And and the logical. I'm logic. I'm logic. What? System one. You know, it's all about, come on. Let's say the logical conclusion is you don't need to work. Logically, we can run this household with my income, and you don't need to go to and 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 put up with that boss. Yeah. You know, you want to do that. Yeah. So it's 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 really it's not empathic at all. Because I should be thinking that you want to work, you want to see that side. You know, our kids are are grown and they go to school and they're, you know, middle school, they're having, you know, their own life and, and you love what you do. Okay. So let's, let's do it again. Uh, you come in in same scenario. I was thinking differently. You go ahead. I come in. Okay. Like I walked in the door and I say, Hey, how's it going? And Who are you? Am I? Am I'm, I I'm still the wife. I'm oh, still okay. the wife. All right. I'm still the wife. I never appreciate it. But mm-hmm. I walk in and I say, hey, how was your day? Uh, fine. Thanks for asking. Great. You know, I had a, I had a, uh, a little bit, a couple problems at work, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more of if, if anything went on with your Who am day. I? The machista you're guy? The, you're or, the machista or, guy. You're still the machista guy. Still the but guy. my whole theory okay. was that, like, I think that if, if because if you're putting, oh, I got this, I got the mortgage, and I have to, is because he wants to be heard too, at the end of the day, right? Because it's a, well, I got problems too. You think you're the only one with problems? I got to pay an eight thousand dollar mortgage, right? And so sometimes if you come in without, you know, like you said, more empathic and more like, you know what? Let me ask him how his day was, or let me ask her what was going on with her, and then kind of like it kind of diffuses and it brings that in, right? To like. Allow it to, to to say, hey. Ah, I see. Okay. You know what I mean? Remember, remember I started with those mirror neurons? Remember I started yeah. with mirror neurons? Okay. That means I have a superpower. Okay. And let's say I'm not much. Let's, let's put it back. Let's throw that away. I, I, you know I'm against that. Okay. I use my superpower mirror neurons. Okay. When I can do that, I see you coming in the door. When you have a mirror neuron, you can read the mood. You can read the mental state. And you could read the emotions of your wife, okay? And then you can predict the behavior. That's why I love my Boston Terrier. When I come home, you know what happens? I'm in a bad mood. He comes and licks me and licks me and licks me and licks me. And then he doesn't ask me to play with him. He sits in my lap. And after that, when I start, and he starts feeling I'm in a good mood, he brings me the leash. He says, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Your Boston Terrier, you said. My Boston Terrier. Okay. I don't. I got. I get a little ADHD there. So. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I just. I, it, no, no, wait, wait. I'm not finished. Okay. So let me get back. 
So, so here is the 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 one that really has to go. You know, and I, you come in the door. There's no dialogue. No dialogue until I can assess my wife's mental state, the distress. First thing I should do is, you know, term of endearment, darling, you know, mi amor, you know, whatever I say. I can see that you're flustered. I can see that something's going on. I'm going to give you your space. You know, if you want to talk about it, you know, what is it? Using my mirror neurons, I can perceive, okay, her mental state. I can see her mood. I can see the emotion. What's the emotion? She's angry, okay? So I can predict her behavior, okay? I can predict that she might just, I don't know, blow up. So I respect her. I respect, give her her space. Okay? She comes back and she says, you know, I had a hard day's work and a hard day at work and I didn't feel respected. Because anger identifies a need. You know, real controlled anger. Anger is part of the human condition. All right? When we're angry, we need it to identify a need. So she's identifying the need that she's disrespected. You know, she's not valued at work. Okay. So she's identified that need. And now I say, okay, I get that. Um, now let's work on, do you want to talk to your boss? Yeah. Well, let's work on assertive communication. How could you assertively communicate that you feel disrespected? Okay. Now how could we together, okay, because I know how much you love that job. I know how much you, you, you find such, much, uh, su such fulfillment in that job. I know you feel self-actualized when you go to work. And I'm all for you. So let's, let's find a way for, for you to really go back to work. And I'll be there with you when you talk to your boss. I have your back. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm here. I'm all ears. Tell me what it is. And at the end of the day... If you really want to have, you know, my opinion, how I think uh, we should uh, go about it, and how you can uh, speak to your uh, your boss tomorrow, I'm here for you. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Simple as that. Not rocket. Couples therapy is not rocket science, man. It really isn't. I mean, it's communication, but I, I think that, like and we said it before, it's like some of the simplest concepts are the most difficult to, to do, right? Because you have to stop yourself, you have to listen, and you have to kind of be cognizant of what's going on. Um, and, you know, I think there's a, I mean, you could all, but you can only do so much too, you know, as yourself. You know, you can't always be the one that, you know, has to do this or is always having to, you know, reach out or always having to be the patient one when they are not doing their part. I, well, you know. I, I think, I think it, it, uh, the spirit is contagious as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. If when, you get yourself you, in a better place at the, and they say like the, what is it like? I forgot what the statistic is, but for like addicts, I don't know if, if, if you're familiar with this, it's like for, with the code where they have obviously a codependency towards a, a substance or whatever it may be. But whenever they're with somebody, if that person gets better and they stop kind of, you know, um, you know, enabling them, usually they end up getting better. 
instead of them kind of continuing to, you know, enable the, the behavior and say, hey, you know what? I need to take care of myself as well. And I'm only going to take care of this, you know, quote unquote addict so much. And but I still need to take care of myself. And then the addict ends up kind of mirroring that or, or taking that up on themselves too to notice those behaviors and to say, hey, you know what? They're taking care of themselves. They're quote unquote moving on with the with life. I should take care of myself too. And then that usually elevates the the chances of them getting better. To when, you know, the opposite is sometimes we, you know, you chase the addict, you you try to like, oh, stop drinking, oh my God, like, you know, which is kind of enabling because you, you're giving them the what they want, like, you know, the attention and the, you know what I mean? So that's kind of one thing that I learned okay, through some wait, research wait, and wait, maybe wait, you could wait, give wait, insight wait, on that. How does that apply to, to, to that scenario? How does that apply? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I, what, I think... What's I your think, scenario, the scenario that you're talking about? Yeah, the way... It's the same, like I said, it, it's too... I don't think that's enabling. I think that's being there with her in the present moment. And well, I no, I'm not... fostered our relationship because I will be in that same situation maybe one day. Yeah. And and, and she will be there. Um, I, I, I know it because I've, you know, it takes two to tango, right? Yeah, and, definitely. But I think that, I guess my point there is to... We're never the same, you know, well, well, I wouldn't say never, but a lot of the times you're not in the same part of the journey, right? Like maybe you're more, you know, hey, you know, when she comes home and you're you're more understanding, but when you come home and you have issues, she's like, suck it up. Well, you know, first of all, it's funny you say when you come home. Well, I think that's one of, one of the issues here. And that's one of the issues of what we call, you know, that buzzword today. It's called mindfulness. When we get out of work, and uh, what happens? We come right in the door with that deferred anger. Being mindful is drive your car to the beach, walk the beach, think of what your life means to you. Think of what, how much your how valuable your relationship is to you, how valuable your marriage is to you, how valuable uh, to those interpersonal relationships are you. So when you walk into your house. You're already in a different space. Yeah, she's not responsible for all the stuff that's going around you. You are. Yeah. Okay. So what do you? That's my point. You know. Sure. But there's gonna be a day, okay, where you're gonna want to go home because you have a partner there. Okay. It's gonna listen because you listen to her, and it's that's that's what a marriage is. A marriage is is to go out to see what the or. Watulco, and enjoy these beautiful sunsets and and steak tartare, beef Wellington, and and you know have a martini on the beach. Don't have chicken tartare. You get salmonella. Marlin tartare or something, right? And 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 that's fantastic, you know. And and then there's days where. Um, you need a voice. And well, I think we all, but I, I, I'm going to have to give you some pushback on that because you're all, we also see like, at least for me, I'm very simplistic. I'm very like, you know, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, the Shawshank Redemption is going to, you know, I'm going to end up in Zihuatanejo and, you know, Red's going to come out and we're going to build a boat. Mm -hmm. But like, to me, it's, it's going to fucking Target, you know? Going to the grocery store and if I'm happy there, 
Of course, I'm, I'm going to be ecstatic when we're in Zihuatanejo. Oh, you know? no, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When I say Zihuatanejo, I don't mean the space. I don't, I don't mean the place, my friend. I mean we're in our own world. Okay. And we're out of Target. I think a lot of times we're in Target and we love each other. We're hand in hand in Target. And that's great. But every once in a while, we need to go to this mystical place. It has these wonderful people. Narnia. You know, yeah, this people there. They're just so, you know how the warmth of Mexico, you go to people and they're so gracious and they come to the, to the you know, the shore and quieres una, no sé, un cóctel de camarón and then they come to you. Y gracias por una el cóctel Un coco, right? You have a... And, and, and you're there, and you're in a different space. You're in a different area. I don't know how many cocktail de camarones or cocos you're going to get in Target. Do you get, do you get uh, little people asking for a cocktail de camarón there at Target? Well, no, but that's... <laughs> then, you're, then, then you're going backwards because you're, you're going specific to what's there. I'm saying more the state of mind, right? It's like... It, because I think, I think that, like, you know, everything that we watch and a lot of things that, you know, we... And I, we've discussed this before, right? Because we... We all, well, a lot of people think that if if it's the one or if it's, then it, then it's everything's just going to magically fucking happen, right? And like I said, you have to work, right? Like you have to be cognizant of your, your shit too and what comes up, right? Because a lot of the times, maybe the way you grew up, like the, or the, 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 the woman or the, the women that you grew up around acted a certain way or the men you grew up around acted a certain way. So you feel that that's what a man should be. Then you slowly start realizing growing up and say, Oh fuck, my, my vision is skewed, you know, of what this should be. So then you show up differently and same way a, a woman will show up to, to the relationship. Right. And so that my point is like having those, those views like, Oh, well this should just be perfect. This shouldn't be work. The fact that we argued last night means that we're not meant to be. Or the fact that we disagree. Oh, no, no, no. The fact we're, 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 which we're I always, think there's the dichotomy of the like the fairy tale fucking you know relationship, and you're gonna run into you're gonna run into them, and you know, and it's gonna be this perfect thing. And you're just gonna fucking know that that's the one. You know what I mean? And I'm not being cynical about it. I'm just saying we have to put in work, and we have to you know be open you know, to people and to taking people in and to, to taking people's differences and, you know, and learn about people in general. Okay. Communicate, as you well, said. Well, you know, I mean, there's going to be days where you're just going to come in and you're not going to be, you know, that using that what uh, processing with empathy or listening, um, okay, with the gift of presence. There are going to be those days. Yes, I, I, I get you. You know, there's going to be those ups and downs. But at least we have to have that that model that that listen again, listen with presence and you know process with empathy and speak soft and slow. That's our model. That's our goal. Okay. There's going to be times we're not going to reach that. There's going to be times we're not going to be there. But that's that's what we want to strive to obtain. Okay. And when we go to see what the Neville, when we go to Watulco or these other places, you know what? It just heightens that we've, you know, what we're celebrating. Yeah. That we've uh, accomplished that on several occasions. You know, when, yeah, there's times I'm going to walk in and I'm not going to want to listen. I'm not going to want to do it. And I'm going to shut down. 
But that's not well, you're also gonna, you're also going to come in maybe times and be super macho and be because that's like you know you kind of revert to something that you think is right, but then you go, oh shit, like this. Well, that's that's exactly what I, I, that's exactly what we need to break that. Yeah, we need to break that. Chain. So one thing that I was actually going to bring up, which is something we haven't talked about, and it is I would say it's a sensitive subject, but people don't talk about it, is the machismo. And you said you get you you get a higher amount of of Latinas, right? Of, of, you know, women in than over men, which, even though the both numbers are low. But the poten the the hyper independence that the machismo can create as well, because they say, well, since I grew up in this machismo world, I don't fucking need a man. I don't need anybody. I don't need this. Which on the surface, right, and on social media. It looks amazing. Hey, girl, go do your thing. Hey, like you're being powerful. And I'm not trying to, you know, I mean, maybe I'll get some pushback on this, but I'm not trying to say that women shouldn't be independent. That's great. We should all be independent. But I think when there's a hyper independence, you're also closing yourself off and you're not allowing yourself to trust people. You know what I mean? Where like, where it's like, I don't need anybody. I've, I've done many things in my life and I'm sure you have, you've been through your journey. Maybe you can comment on this. I can honestly say I've never done anything alone. I you can always say that somebody along the way, whether it was a piece of advice or something bigger, literally, you know, giving me money or literally, you know, helping me get a job and putting, you know, their their neck on the line for me. You know what I mean? There's always been somebody to help me, whether it's with advice, whether it's with not, you know, with their mistakes and saying, hey, don't do what I did. But there's there's always and allowing yourself to just trust people, you know what I mean, is a big thing. You know, and I think that that's also a big thing where people have trouble getting into therapy because they don't want to trust a stranger. They can't trust a stranger, right? Well, well and that's, that's where they, you know, and, and living so I know there's a lot there. So that's why, you know, I kind of wanted to just see where, you know. Okay, where, where we're going with this is, is, is great. Okay, and that, that's a great segue. Again, when I have an intake, okay, an assessment, initial assessment, um, it's, it's, it's really... I, I try to say, you're not coming to therapy, okay? We're increasing the power of self-reflection, and we're trying to see how we can become more empathically mindful, okay? So I, I don't even like that word, therapy, okay? Intrinsically, what's that? A character flaw. Yeah, I don't tell anybody, hey, I'm going to therapy. I say, you know what? I'm going to increase my power of self-reflection. And uh, I'm going to learn a little bit more about how to be more empathically mindful. Let's dumb it down. That's it. Let's I mean, dumb why it do down, you have to say I'm going to therapy? No, I'm saying why let's not? dumb it down, though, because somebody comes into therapy, it's their first session, they hear you're going to be empathically, they're going to be like, what? Yeah. What the hell is empathically mindful? I mean, have you not, or people, a lot of people would just nod, and they'll say, yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay. I mean, but and, they and, don't and, fucking and, have no and, idea what you're talking about. That's what I'll say, you know, I, I you know, the word therapy always reverts to character flaw. You know, esos, you know, los trapos sucios, los trapos sucios se lavan en casa. You know that saying? Mm -hmm. What is that saying in, in English? Don't air, air out your dirty laundry would be in, in English, right? Don't air out your dirty laundry. Dirty. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something. What if I have these thoughts, right? That I'm not really sure, okay, what, what's what we call cognitive dissonance. What if I have, I'm not sure of who I am, my sense of self, my authenticity, okay? Who better than in a confidential setting with a professional 
that's probably hurt a thousand people. Okay. Similar issues. Okay. Where I can be there and explore who I am and where I want to be 10 years from now. Yeah. Okay. And like Matthew McConaughey says, I love his favorite actor. All right, actor. all right, all right. All right. That's my favorite actor. You know why my favorite actor? His acceptance speech. Acceptance speech of what's that? Byers, uh, Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club. What did he say? He said, every uh, every time I, I get to a place, and I'm myself in the future. And I look no, no. no every, every 10 future. years. He's every 10 years. Every 10 years. Model. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. his role model. Okay. Yeah, my role model's 10 years ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if your role model is you in 10 years, you better the hell know who you are right now. Because I ask people, why do you want to come to therapy? Is it symptom control? Is it that you don't want to feel uneasy? You don't want to feel restless? You don't want to feel uh, excessive worrying about small and large matters? Okay? You're worried about your sleep disturbances? Or you're worried about your bouts of sadness, your crying spells, your anhedonia, and uh, your lack of motivation? Yeah. Well, that's your body telling you. It's telling you something. So, yeah, I'm here. Okay? And your psychiatrist is here to assist you. Okay? For those two, those two areas, okay, to not cripple you. But after you're at a certain level, your serotonin is at a certain level, okay? Your your dopamine is at a certain level. Now what? It's called logotherapy, meaning therapy. Now that you are at that place, you know, because I don't go to a loquero. Because actually to be in therapy, you have to really, really look deep inside. You can't snorkel. You have to scuba dive. Okay? Yeah. You don't know what you're going to find, right? So when you're in therapy. But I think you're, people are afraid, right? And exactly. I, I, like I said, that's why I want to keep it more, you know, I, 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 obviously you're a very intelligent person, but I think there's a lot of people that are, that are maybe not even at the place where they are willing to go to therapy even before that, where they don't even think there's an issue, right? They, they, they'll, you know, maybe they push people away, but they'll just say, well, hey, you know what? I'm an independent person and, they, you know, they don't deserve me or whatever it may be. But then you have to find the common denominator. It's like, well, you know, they didn't do anything wrong to you, but you're putting blame on other people or whatever it may be. But, you know, how do you, I guess, it, like, in for me, I what I always like is like practical advice, right? It's like, how do you get to a place where you say, hey, you know what? Maybe therapy is a good thing for me or maybe I should go because there's so many people that are like, well, 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 well. There's nothing wrong. I'm not hurting anybody. Well, I'm not. What I, you know what I mean? I think it's all. It's the approach of the therapist. Okay. Personally, I'm, I'm saying before good. therapy, as a human, like how, like to give people practical, like advice, like like you said, I can't sleep sometimes, or you know, I, I want to go a little bit further in work, or I want a better relationship with my mom. But how do people? I guess, like I said, practical advice of like whether it's a, I don't know if it's a you know evaluation of yourself or to get people to be more open to therapy because yeah, once you get to the therapist, yeah, that, you know, you're, okay. you're, first steps, of all, first you're of steps and bounds of, of ahead of other people that are, you know, not even trying it at all or thinking they should. Okay. First of all, I don't call it therapy. Okay. We should, we should get rid of that. word. Okay. Therapy again, it's a character flaw, therapy, character flaw. Why can't you what deal with your own issues? Okay. When something's hard, going wrong with your kidneys. Who do you go see? 
Yeah, and that's urologist. You right? go see something yeah, wrong with diabetes. Urologist. Right? And, and, okay, you're gonna go see an endocrinologist. Somebody's wrong with they have no problems. You get to you know el señor llega allí, okay? Señor, qué pasó? ¿Cómo está? No, pues el corazón, que, que mis arterias, que que esto, okay? Toma ese losartan porque su su presión está mal. No problem. Boom. They take a losartan. Everything's cool. No problem. Okay. They're coming in there. Wait. What is it? Hypertension. You think the PCP or the cardiologist is going to ask you, okay, hypertension, what's going on with the tension? Well, I have trouble with my marriage. I can't pay my mortgage. My kid's in rehab. You know, my brother, you know, just got diagnosed with leukemia. You think, you think your PCP is going to ask you all these things? No. No, he's not, right? He's, he's going to give say, you a blood test. He's going to say you've got high blood pressure. Here you go. And here you go, right? He's okay. a lysinopril. So exactly. Here's where we have that mind-body connection. Daniel Siegel, what does he say? Bottom-up, gut-level cognition, okay, where we have more serotonin in our, in our intestines. Excuse me. Bottom-up. Okay, that prefrontal cortex all the time, okay, could be a great deceiver. Not everything is right here in the book. Here's the cortex. thing, though. When you have shit that you're, if you're not going to therapy and you're not letting it out, it's still there. And what happens is your body finds a fucking way to get rid of it, whether it's you get stomach aches, um, you know, you get yeah. diarrhea that you don't know why. Why? Because you have anxiety that you're not really processing. You get migraines, unexplainable migraines, and I just got to stay home today because my head hurts so much. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. Basal cortisol levels, okay? Heightened basal cortisol levels, right? Flood your sympathetic nervous system. Panic disorder. You go to the ER, you think you're getting a heart attack, they come in there. They check your, you know, EKG. They check, you know, your blood levels. Everything, you know, what they give you? Anxiety. You have anxiety. Yeah, you didn't have a heart. You yeah. definitely thought you had a heart yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah, it's panic attack, right? What is that called? Free floating, free floating. Excuse me, free floating anxiety. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's, you can't pinpoint. I was gonna throw a cobra right here in this room. You wouldn't say you're having a panic attack. You try to fix the problem, right? And after you might have PTSD. Well, right. I think, but, but, but you're not going to say it's a panic attack, right? Because you can pinpoint the reason why, okay? But that's a good you're example, right. though, because you also, your body goes into that, like, like as... Fight or flight. Yeah. But then you go into that fight or flight when you're having an argument, and you go into that heightened sense of, you know, I need to survive instead of, like, this isn't a survival thing. You know what I mean? This isn't, this is a communication. This is human interaction. You know, that this isn't the cobra. This is fucking do the dishes and, you know, let's talk, it, you know. And our bodies go into this heightened sense of like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Like, too, many, too much coming at me. I better just run. You know what I mean? Well, there's also freeze. You know, it's not just fight, flight. There's also freeze because that can come from family of origin as well. I mean, let's say you're, the cadence was real high. There was a lot of fighting in your household and you couldn't, right? You're very young, you know, ego centronic. You thought at three years old, you think everything that's around you, you created. Okay. So you really don't have a sense of self. Yeah. Okay. So what happens? You freeze. And then you learn to freeze. We see a lot of ADHD coming out of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you freeze. 
So what's happening is now you have a, there's an argument going on and you just freeze. You don't have a voice. Okay. So that's another thing that happens is that a lot of people, you know, um, are in relationships and once the cadence gets real high, they just freeze. They shut down. Okay. Because that's something they learned in their childhood. You know, when people are arguing, people are stuff, our parents were arguing, my parents were, what happened? I just retreated to my uh, jigsaw puzzles. I just retreated there. That's what was good. Now I, I'm an adult and I do the same thing. Uh, I'm on fourth night for four hours, hyper-focused, but ask me to do my, you know, mathematics, my science work. I don't do it. Inattentive. So we all can trace a lot of pathology back to family of origin. Okay. And that's uh, interpersonal relationships. Now we go into addiction. Okay. And, uh, you know, biopsychosocial spiritual model. I'm a very much proponent of that. You know, there's biological predisposition, but it's not predetermination. Okay. And there's psychological reasons, schema, underlying schemas. Okay. That produce problematical beliefs. Okay. And thoughts. And then there's social. Social. How well are we social? What's our support system? It's very important. You know, spiritual. What is that 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 you find with that higher power or that one being that assists you? Uh, the power of prayer. If if you know you're a person of faith, the power of meditation. You know, and then that power of empathy. You know, so you know the biopsychosocial model is something that. Uh, I feel uh, what's, what's that first line of um, defense. You know, when I was a uh, uh, program director in Juvenile Hall, okay, what did I see? What do you think I saw as program director of Juvenile Hall when I was over there at Camp Bear? What do you think I saw when I saw 70% were Latinos, Latino juveniles? Latino or, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, and not even trying to be funny, is you saw a bunch of kids because I think that they all think there's, adults right and they think they're in this like oh well i'm i'm badass now but it's like no you're you're a kid you know well i saw a bunch of many adults right many adults i thought they were adults right that's what i'm saying yeah with no voice stunted voices they didn't have a chance to express their emotions there was no vulnerability in their house Know a place. You know, there's a story. Let me, let me just tell you this story real fast. You know. You got time. You got uh, Juan. Okay. Juan. Juan's there and he's all happy because he's going to uh, Juan's favorite. What's this? Uh, Johnny's Pizza. What's that place called? Which one? Favorite pizza. You know, John's Pizza. Uh, John's Incredible? Yeah, John's Incredible Pizza. Also, okay. Juan's a kid. Or... Yeah, yeah. Juan's going to Juan's Incredible Pizza. Okay. Okay, because a Hispanic family. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so he's going there, and it's his big day. He's eight years old, turned eight years old. And uh, let's go the machista dad. I always go to the, the soft serve ice cream yeah, there. Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. go to the machista dad, right? Okay. Johnny's there. They got cake. They got the room, right? The room. They got the, the suegras. They got, you know, the compadre. Everybody's there, you know, and Johnny's kind of sad. Okay, you got the machete. ¿Qué te pasa, man? ¿Por qué estás triste? ¿No ves? You know, like, 
I didn't have it this good. You know, got a cake for you. We got this shit. When I was your age, you think I would have all this going on? What's the matter with you? Why are you sad? Oh, Dad, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The kid sad. doesn't have the perspective. Okay, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Let's talk about parenting. Now we're into parenting. Okay. Mindful parenting. Right? Mindful discipline. Well, I don't know, Dad. He's kind of freaked out. You know? Yeah, I, I guess I guess you, I should be happy. Well, now the friends come and everybody, they're in the bump of cars, right? They're doing their... Uh, you know, the arcade doing everything. And Johnny comes home and Papa comes in. Ves? Te dije. Aquí estabas todo triste. ¿Qué pasa contigo? You know? ¿Qué pasa contigo? Ves? Estabas triste? You know, you see? Everything came out all right, right? Okay. Yeah. It's Johnny, man. He's like, oh, geez. Okay, yeah, I guess my dad's right. Now let's go to that other, you know, parent that knows how to parent. Comes here and well, let's there. also say nobody knows. Well, well, I, you know, I, I think this is a, a, a like hear me out, hear me out. This is a functional, hear me out, okay, yeah, because this is the building that process of uh, what is it, self reflection, yeah, okay. So, Johnny, he's there, está he's kind of like sad, you know, Johnny, what's going on, man? You know, it's a big problem for you. I don't know, dad, I'm just a little bit uh. I guess a little nervous. Okay, don't worry, son. It's all right. All the kids come. Everybody's there. They're having fun. Same scenario. Bump of cars, tokens, everything's good. All right? So it's a great time. Everybody's there. Okay. Johnny comes home. Dad comes back. Say, hey, Johnny. Hey, Juan. Oh, Juan. Juan. Okay, Juan. Juan, Johnny. Juan Camane. Okay, Juan Camane. All right. Hey, Juan. Hey, you know, what's, you know, I saw that you were sad. You know, uh, you want to talk about that? No, Dad, uh, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. He's not going to say I'm going to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. He's going to say, you know. I it's guess the, the I, dad's I, creating a safe space for him here to, we go. to speak. Yeah, here we go. To be in a therapy, okay? He's going to say, you know, Dad, I guess uh, I didn't tell you that I was bullied. And a lot of people were teasing me that they weren't going to show up. That nobody was going to show up to the park. You know, and and and... I was nervous about it. I, I was sad. I, I thought nobody was going to show up. I thought my only best friend, Ramiro, was going to show up. And maybe Eduardo, if I was lucky. Oh, son, don't worry. If that ever comes up again, we'll take the cake. We'll, you know, do the tokens. We'll go home. We'll have our own little party at home, son. Don't ever worry about that. Okay? Just tell me from the beginning if that's what you're saying. Why? Because I love you. Yeah, because I love you. Okay. And we and care then, about you here, and you know, anybody who doesn't care about you doesn't matter. You got it. Okay. You know? now, 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 let's go to the, the deeper level, okay? Because now you got some kid that really goes to the deeper level. Dad comes back. He's all, oh, okay, good. My, my son's opening up. Dad's leaving. Hey, Dad, Dad, come here, come here, come here. Who was that lady you were talking to? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not the point. Okay. Hey, Dad, come here, come here gonna say uh dad you know i guess really come to think about it yeah i was scared that that, that nobody was going to show up but i think i was really scared that you would think i was a loser because you you paid for all this and all this and then nobody showed up i was fearful that you would think or at his birthday he saw all of his friends show up and they had a big you know, for his dad. Yeah, yeah. so now he thinks that would uh, 
harm his relationship. And let, let me give you another real personal story here, okay? There's this one uh, uh, session I had, and it was a family session, and it's really, really, uh, I'll never forget it. You had this uh, dad, you know, and he trained his sons, his two sons, since they were very little, six and seven USATF, middle distance runners, and man, they ran as fast as they could. You know, they're doing these incredible times for their ages. You know, that dad was always there motivating. Come on, son, you can do it, you can do it. Trained them, was there for them, okay? They came up, you know, and one of them was in high school and broke the school record and did all that. Then he found out that, you know, every time he crossed that finish line, he was nervous. So then the dad went up to uh, one day to the son, and then he brought the other son down, and he said, come on, two sons, sit down. Do you guys like track? Do you guys like running the mile? Both of them looked at each other. We don't like running. So you guys were running for me? I guess that we were running for you. Because I was a track star in high school? Yeah. So what you're saying is you thought I'd love you less if you didn't break those records? You thought that? Yes, Dad, I, I guess you're right. I think that I was scared that if I let you down, you would love me less. Okay, okay, sons. Take your track shoes, put them on a, on a string, and let's hang them up. With all your medals. Well, I think it's also more than that conversation too, right? Well, like it's more that you have to create a space that they're willing to, to tell you those things because for a kid to be that introspective to say like, oh, well, this is why I'm doing it. And they can just be like, oh, I don't know. I feel like you always get a lot of like, I don't know, kind of from no, kids, no. you know, but here, unless here. you create that no, space where they've been able to. Well, sometimes you don't create the space. You create the idea. But you do it through vulnerability. Because when I come up to, I heard that story, the father actually said, realized he had this epiphany that they were running to impress their father. And they were running because they thought that if they didn't get those times, that their father would love them less. Yeah. And now you've introduced that to them. And they say, I guess so. Yeah, you brought them that power of self-reflection, mm -hmm. and at that point, you reinforce it. Say, you guys don't have to run anymore. You guys can choose water polo. You guys can choose any other sport you want. And you know what, guys? I'm sorry. The father says, "I'm sorry," because I wasn't ill-intended. I wanted to raise your self-esteem. I wanted to raise your self-confidence. And you know what, son? I was not even. I didn't even have notion of what I was doing. And you know what, sons? You guys can do what you guys want. But you also it's not a there's no in the in the in the father, there's no malice or, or ill intent behind it as of well. Of course not. Of course not. You know not. what I mean? But where where somebody else could be very much, you know, trying to relive or live vicariously or like, you know, push their what they couldn't accomplish through their kids instead of allowing them to be which they are is a whole other human being. Well, you know what I mean? You know, you know we know. So I we never know. did it, so you got to fucking do it, you know? Well, yeah, that's that, what's that, that baseball uh, coach that, you know, that's, uh, 
you know, what's that? Those kids that those parents are getting furious when there's, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, the judge said uh, that call or something. No, I think what it is is that when we really want to know the gifts of our children, okay, we let them find it out on their own. Well, you know, that's, you were talking about boxing earlier. I, I don't, I think it became a rule. I think this was a couple of years ago where they weren't, they said that your parent couldn't be your corner person. It couldn't be a corner man. So like, you know, the, you're, you know what a corner man is, right? Like the person who basically, when you, when you come and sit down, they're the ones who are making the call. They're the ones who could throw in the towel because a lot of the times when these guys have like their dad, who's their parent, who's their, they're also their corner man. They're going to no, stay in there where like a trainer is more, you're getting fucked up. I'm throwing in the towel. Sorry. I don't care. Like, cause you're going to, you're getting fucked up where like the parents like, no, stay in there. You fight, you know? And what they noticed is that it happened a lot to where like the parent, when there was a parent trainer, they were pushing their kid a lot further to where if it was like just your friend, he would have been like, no, I'm taking him out. Cause he, I want to keep him safe because in like the parent inherently maybe wants to keep him safe, but they're going to push him further. And then maybe, maybe they get hurt because of that. And so that's what they were noticing is that parents were like, I'm not throwing in the towel. He's going to have to get killed to get out of there. Like, I'm, you know, because then why'd you throw in? There's always, it's always the thing, right? Why'd you stop the fight? I had him. It's like, no, dude, you were getting killed. What's you that know? Spartan mentality? You know? Spartan mentality. Yeah. Yeah. My son's a greater warrior than I am, right? Well, it's also like, you know, it's like the, it, it, it feels and I don't think it is, you know, because it's also like you have to um, I, I, I talked about like story like when I moved back from L.A. is you have to you have to learn. It's not quitting. It's like it's kind of also like, OK, I need to kind of like, you know, play my cards right. Hey, you know what? This isn't working out for me. I need to take a step backwards, which would be, hey, throw in the towel for this one because I need it. This guy's killing me. I, you know, and, and he's going to knock me out. It's going to hurt me more. It's going to it's going to maybe give me brain damage or whatever. Throw in the towel, you know, but otherwise, like, oh, well. What if, what if he didn't throw in the towel and then the next punch paralyzes you or kills you? You know what I mean? Then, oh, well, he went out like a warrior. That's like, that's why when I heard Spartan Town, that's what I'm thinking. But shit, I mean, and you hear that a lot about gangsters, right? Or, you know, where I grew up, it's like, oh, well, you know, they shot him. He's dead. Oh, but he went out like a soldier. He's dead. He's gone. Soldier or not, that was your friend. And he's gone because of. Because he stole some rims, because he stole a stereo, and the dude got mad, and that's not worth it. Well, you know what I mean? But then they put a respect behind what happened to say, like, oh, he was a soldier. You know what I mean? Instead of saying, we shouldn't have been doing that. You yeah. know what I mean? That shouldn't have been happening. We could we could have been doing something more productive instead of, you know? Well, you know, that brings up a, a great point. That really brings up. You know, we see these telenovelas, Señor de los Cielos, all this stuff. And you have these, you know, masculine figures, of, you know, they put up with anything. And, you know, they're out there and they'll, you know, you know, whatever. Hijo de puta malparido. Malparido. Hyper-masculinity and all that stuff, right? And, so, uh, you know, there it is. There's that, that figure. That figure of uh, what? That mentality of... Uh, I'll get things done no matter what, right? But then you know what's the funny thing? By any means necessary is more, you know, like because they do 
terrible fucking things. And we look up to these people who've done terrible fucking things to, you know, but you know what's the irony? People. You know what's the irony of that? There's a real irony of that. That they carry a gold crucifix around full of oh, diamonds. Well, that, yeah. well, full of diamonds. Now go figure well, that. Malverde in there. No, no, no. Well, no, 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 no. You got some, you know, guy here with a crucifix full of diamonds, and over there he's uh, giving the, the his enemy to the poselero. You know, but, of, but there's also there. there. But there's also the in, in enabling, you know, from like if you you I'm pretty I don't know if you watch Narcos like the mm -hmm. the Pablo Escobar one, his biggest supporter. I would, well, yeah, I would say supporter, but it, it was always in his corner. His mom. No conocían a mi hijo. Él era una buena persona. Él no hizo todas las cosas que dijeron. Blah, blah. Instead of stepping in and saying, hey, you got to stop doing this. Though. You're killing people. You're doing this. You're doing... No, she's like, he was a good person. He took care of me. That's very selfish, right? To say, well, he took care of me. And now they killed my son. Obviously, she had a love for him. But what created that, you know, what created Pablo Escobar? I mean, within the series, spoiler alert. Sorry if you guys watched, haven't watched it. <laughs> but, I mean, his dad didn't have love for him, you know? And then once he became who he became, his dad, he tried to go reconnect with his dad. His dad was like, you're a fucking murderer. Like, you think, why would I want to, you know? And he was like, oh, look who your son has become, you know? It's like that, like I said, it's that hyper-independence. It's that, like, it's, and I, and I remember when I was trying to, you know, do my career to be like, I don't want to be that person that did it out of spite. I want to do it for myself. I want to do it because it makes me happy. Instead of like, look what the fuck I did showed you. You know what I mean? I'm not the loser you said that I was. I'm not this. I'm not that. Because that person's going to, they're still going to come after you and be like, I don't care. You're still a loser for this. You're still a loser for that. Because, you know, what, you know, what the kids say, that way you can, you know, haters going to hate. There's always going to find something to hate on you for, you know? And the people who hate on you the most are the people who already thought, already think you made it, you know? Well, I think there's, there's something to be said about the ego. Okay. The ego is simply our identity who believe we are, okay? The egos, you know, our identity who we believe we are, okay? And the ego encompasses our fears, our insecurities, you know, uh, leads us to believe that uh, we are inferior or, what, superior to others. We'll go in that with uh, social media. That way we can relate it to some of these millennials and, you know, what they see and trying to do things that they can put on social media you know look at these kids that have fucking died taking selfies yeah i mean you know? where, where are we going with that you know what, what it is is that um people want to hide their shortcomings right they want to hide their shortcomings in this mask this mask of uh i fear nothing i don't fear death i don't feel anything what they do is they fear living because to live is really, really hard. It's difficult to live. It's difficult to live a virtuous, you know, altruistic life. It's, you know, that I don't fear death kind of mentality. Okay. Yeah. You don't fear death. Why? Because you fear living. You feel living. And the fear of failure is what? The fear of not realizing your true potential. And that's inherent in every human being. Why do you, I mean, obviously vulnerability is a difficult thing. Why do you think that 
people find it so difficult or, or, you know, pull back when they, when, you know, or pull back and then sometimes attack when they're vulnerable when it's like, whoa, like you will, you're opening up, but then they kind of, you know, try to try to like, I don't know if retract it, you know, sometimes to be like, oh no, that doesn't really fucking matter. You know, like maybe they're vulnerable and then try to say, well, you know, I don't really care though. Yeah. It's minimization. Yeah. Minimization of, uh, you know, if you're trying to ask me what really hurts me or you're asking me what I'm fearful of and what I doubt, what are my insecurities, I have to trust you. And not only do I have to trust you, I have to really feel that you care about me. Because if you don't care about me, then later on you'll judge me. And that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do with anybody. Yeah, You know, human beings, uh, inherently, that hierarchy, we have that hardwired hierarchy of finding out where we, you know, um, you know, where do we stand? You know, that ego comparison. Remember I always talked to you about that ego comparison? Ego comparison yeah, that is was, what's holding us back. I remember you did the class for, you know, I think, I think there was like, I don't know, there was, there was a, a few people that did the, I don't know, was it like an anxiety class or something? Yeah, it's like existential. That. Yeah. So that's where you talked about the ego comparison. And I, I definitely, I definitely think about that because yeah, you, you sometimes you get down on yourself because you see some, something else or, you know, and I've seen people that you see maybe on social media and be like, Oh man, this guy's doing it or something. And, you know, but then you try to talk to them about feelings or try to talk to them about their life. And they're just like, Oh no, or they're very unhappy or, then you figure out that they really hate their job, but then they say, Hey, I just got a raise. Like, let's go party. Let's go do this and that. But they show up every day to work hating what they do, but they're making the money that they want to make, you know? And I don't know. I mean, I think that you had mentioned before in a previous life, right? You did, you weren't a therapist. I mean, you haven't always been a therapist and there's money and there's, what you do know, you mean a previous life. You think previous I'm life well, I mean, if a saying, previous life, I've heard, my yeah, previous career, previous career. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, in a previous life. It's it's a marketing manager. <laughs> marketing manager for Georgia Pacific. Yes, I did. I mean, traded lumber, okay, throughout Mexico. You know, NAFTA days, and uh, I had yeah, that was a, a real uh, career where I needed validation. You know, I came from a father who was very successful. Okay, father who had the first what Latin uh, discotheque in uh, Barcadero Center, San Francisco. And uh, I needed the validation. I guess I was running on that validation schema, approval seeking for a long time. And it wasn't until I figured out that, uh, you know, that wasn't getting me anywhere. Okay. And that was feeding into machismo. So when I talk to you about machismo, I'm not talking to you about some therapist that's always been understanding what it is to be that empathic listener and all that. No, I was epitome of a machista. Okay. I was, I was that person. Uh, but then I thought, how's that working out for you, Vince? How was that working out in your marriage? How's that working out as a father? Thank God I figured that out quick. I figured out that that, that wasn't working out for me. Yeah. You know, so yes, if, if you talk about why am I out there, uh, you know, talking about machismo and talking about how that's toxic to our culture is because I was that machista. I was the embodiment 
of something I despise. And um, so, yes, I think I've always heard the like you have to be careful not to become what you you know what you despise because it's very easy, right? Because you 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 end up going full circle and to be like you hate something so much that you end up becoming it, you know. And I guess one of the the central question that we always ask and everybody who comes on and sorry, you're going to be no different. When was a time that you felt like a weirdo? This is the weirdos only podcast, which is, and you know, I know we've talked about like, and Brene Brown talks about shame and authenticity. And when I came up with this, I was like, Oh, maybe the authenticity podcast, maybe, but it, it seemed like, and what I keep hearing and literally, and I know, I know my friend will hear this. Um, we were talking the other day and she tells me about this guy she's talking to, you know, she's like, well, you know, he's kind of not responding and, you know, like I want to talk to him and, you know, I want to reach out, but I don't want to, I don't want to come off weird. I don't want to seem weird. And I was like, well, how is it weird that you just want to talk to him? But it's that, that's how I think it's the word that a lot of people go to without saying, I don't want to feel vulnerable. I don't want to be her. It's just like, well, weird. I feel kind of weird talking about this, or I feel, you know, weird when I, that I that I have these feelings, you know. And so that's kind of where I want you to dig, like, really, like, you know. Obviously, we talked about a lot of great concepts, but talk about a time authentically that you felt weird, that you felt like, like whether it is when you maybe started being more less of a macho, more. You know, we're drinking, you know, or, you know, like coming out and talking about feminist stuff, you know what I mean? Or whatever, whatever it may be. But you can take a second and just think of what was the time in your life where you, we felt weird, whether it be as a Latino, as a, as a Latino therapist, maybe in a room full of white old ladies, you know what I mean? Because that's the thing that a lot of Latinos say. I, well, I went to therapy and it was this white old lady from La Jolla or, you know. And they're like, I don't relate to her. She didn't know what the hell was going on. She told me to journal, you know? <laughs> well, first of all, before I ask that, before I, excuse me, before I answer that, what's your definition of a weirdo? That's just it. Everybody has their own definition of a weirdo. Could be yours, Edward. A weirdo? I, for me, it's always been a good thing. For me, a weirdo is... Is someone who's who's not afraid to be themselves and who's authentically like is just gonna act on you know how they feel and then you know not be afraid to be weird and uh, you know to just do random thing or something just just to enjoy life you know that's what it is to me for me to be a weirdo you know all right well when I decided, I guess I was weird, and a lot of people thought I was weird, and leaving a very lucrative career, extremely lucrative career, to pursue something that uh, I guess it's, some people would call it a calling, some people would call it a vocation, some people would call it a, how do you want to get into psychotherapy? What well, also takes a big sacrifice, right, to, to do it, because you have to go through your clinical hours and your, oh, your yeah, arm, yeah. you know. It's about 11 years, yeah, until you start uh, being licensed and stuff. But no, uh, you asked me that, it, uh, I can recall it very clearly. It was that time that when we have the moment of clarity, right? Somebody calls it epiphany, you know, whatever you want to call it. I call it a shift of energy, okay? And to quote a guy named uh, Roy Bennett, uh, he said, uh, you will never follow your own inner voice. 
until you clear up the doubts in your mind. So I kind of figured, it's kind of hard to follow my inner voice. Something inside of me, my intuition maybe you want to call it, is telling me I'm not in the right place. I don't belong here. But until I clear out those doubts, am I going to move on? So I figured it out. I said, this passion, I had this passion to assist me in clearing out my inner doubts. I still have inner doubts. Yeah. That's where I'm going to be until the day I die. But you know what? If I can assist one person, I don't know if I've ever had, but I can assist another person to hear their inner voice and they uh, turn out to have a better life that I've completed my passion, my purpose, and hopefully one day I will have discovered my meaning. So, you know, I think you're free when you say, I'm not going to my job. I can honestly tell you, you know, I see probably 45 people for 50 minutes Clinical hours, I probably work about 70 hours a week. Some of you could say that. It's a lot of work, Vince. Why do you work Monday through Saturday? Why is it the only day you get off is Sunday? Are you a workaholic? I say to them, I don't know why they pay me to do this, because this is not a job. People come in me, I meet people every day. They have that those inner doubts holding them back just like me. And if I can say one thing to them, one thing that could assist them in their journey, then I've made it in life. At this point in my life, 53 years old, 10 years from now, who's going to be my role model? All I know is my role model is going to be somebody that has fought with his inner demons has tried, tried to assist others with theirs. And maybe they call that a weirdo, but well, I'm a weirdo. There you go. I always think of, let's say like Harriet Tubman, you know, like not only did Harriet Tubman get out, but she went back and she got some more, you know? So many people get out, so many people, you know, get to a place where you're at, regardless of being a therapist, but they get to a better place, but they don't help others. And I think that that's kind of the meaning to life is to help each other out. We're social beings, you know? Um, I know one thing, even I remember I was, I think I was a junior in high school and I read some Ralph Waldo Emerson. I don't know if you ever read Ralph sure, Waldo Emerson. Sure, sure. And one quote, I don't know why, it just stood out to me so much. And I, it's been this whole thing. And that's kind of why this whole podcast, um, you know, it was like, yeah, that's kind of, that's the name. Is to be great is to be misunderstood. You know, and there's another one that he had was imitation to suicide. Right. And I think both of those is, both of those surround authenticity and doing what, is best for you, you know, regardless if, if everybody's on board with what you're doing, you know? You know, I, and going on those lines, um, the other day I was uh, hearing Gabor Mate, you know, he's my mentor, he's my uh, 
guy that I really uh, can really relate to. He said, you know, when do you start writing? You start writing when you feel it's a passion that you want to say something to the world. And you need to say something to the world. That's when you start writing. You need to say something to the world. Nothing's new under the sun. But sometimes you need to say it to the world for you to feel complete, for you to feel that you packaged something that somebody else already has said, but in your own voice, your own way of saying something. When it comes right down to being a weirdo, I think if we're authentic and we are not hiding our shortcomings and we're living and not existing, and every single human being ceases to be a weirdo and ceases to be real. I challenge everybody to be weirdos. Yeah. I mean, cheers to that. I mean, that's kind of, like I said, it's, the whole the whole basis of it is that you feel like a weirdo but then we you know the more and more people you hear from i think and i think at this point i mean you know like i said this is a special edition of weirdos only because it's kind of a culmination and really more digging into you know some of the things that other people have spoken about you know and really understanding some of the stuff that people speak about because you know from some of my friends talking about how they were big fans of Kobe and how Kobe was such an inspiration. Um, other people within the podcast talking about, you know, making an attempt on their own life or maybe just uh, pursuing their career, changing careers or, you know, going through school, or coming of age, leaving their hometown. All those things are made them feel weird, right? Like they were, Oh, well, I'm in a new town. I'm, I feel weird. Nobody, but yet, so many people can relate to those things, you know, and, but when you're going through it, you feel like you're going through it alone and nobody understands what you're going through, you know? And that's, that's the point, you know, from the womb to the tomb. Yeah. You're your own journey, man. Now, Eduardo, let me ask you a question. Okay. 1990, right. Went through this marketing executive, let's say, Working with lumber yards, you know, trading lumber, Russian birch, Luan. Okay, now I'm a therapist. Did I change careers for you? You really think I changed careers? Do you, what do you mean? Do, you, do I think you changed careers or do I think you changed careers for me? Because you said that changed careers for me. No, do you think I even changed careers? Because I don't. Well, I mean, we can get into different topics of like we can get into the topic of everything is sales you know we can get into that because i think you know that's another thing too you know when i you know i went to lumberyard you know sometimes i used to go into uh, a lumberyard and i say hey how's your son you know you told me last time i came in and he broke his arm it's oh, in relationship building right yeah exactly yeah he you know uh he broke his arm and how's he doing oh he's doing great thanks for asking okay i gotta go I didn't give him a price sheet. I didn't give him anything. I left. Mm -hmm. Came back. He'd give me all my competitors' price sheets. 
Was that my objective? No, many times it wasn't. I just wanted to shop, you know, come in and say, I was this boy. That's all I wanted. And, and we've been getting a lot of that in our business too, where like we've been turning away people or, you know, we get referrals and because people know that we're going to be straight shooters because, you know, we're going to say, Hey, you know what? I don't want to just take your money because I don't think you're ready for what we do. I, you know, which is perfectly honest. It's like, there's a lot more work you need to do before you come and approach someone like us, you know, you know, like if, like if you're saying like, you know, you're trying to get a big deal or you're trying to upsell these guys, but you know, they don't have the money and you know that if they buy something like that, that it's just going to destroy their business. But you're like, well, I need to sell. Sure. You know? And, and again, you know, when you talk about humanistic client centered, you know, therapy or Rogerian therapy, I'm all for Rogerian therapy. If you call me, I'd probably say I'm a Rogerian therapy because I don't focus just on your problem. I focus on your whole journey. Yeah. You know, your whole journey. That's a particular problem. Well, and I think a lot of people think therapy is like that, right? They think that that you're going to show up and then and then and they're going to tell you their problems. And you're going to be like, well, it's because your dad hit you that one time. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Hey, thanks, Vince. <laughs> you're going to shed light, right? That's what they think. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people see it as that, you know? And, and also I think, you know, like, for example, like, I feel like a lot of therapy sessions were just this, just us kicking back and, and talking, you know? And a lot of people think that therapy needs to be like, oh, my God, Vince. Ah, every time, every time. Like, sure, there's times where you get emotional because you're talking about certain things. But it doesn't mean that every time you go to therapy, you have to cry or you have to get so heavy. Sometimes you're like, yeah, it was a good week. I was, you know, it's, it's fine. And, you know, I've, I've been doing well and I've been keeping up. And the next week, maybe you're harder on yourself or whatever it may be. But it's the progression, right? It's the same. It's like, uh, well, we all, you know, same thing in marketing. You know, there's no magic pill. You're not just going to make your money from one thing. Also, like going to the gym. You know what I mean? Well, going to the gym, you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not going to get super strong or whatever, you know, in, um, in one day. You're not going to get abs in one day, you know? No, no. And, and, and that's, you know, people, um, you know, us as therapists, we're always looking for that moment, right? That one moment where the person opens up or that person uh, actually shows that vulnerability. And wow, that's, we, we did our job. But uh, many times it's just, we're real. We're sitting down almost like in two bar stools. You know, yeah. Talking about, you know, what's going on in life. And, and it's just, you know, a heart to heart therapy without any catharsis. You know, it's just there. And uh, you're real. And Erlinski and Howard, to quote, uh, you know, these uh, neuroscientists back in uh, the 80s, they said uh, when they're asking about modalities and what's the most effective modality, you know, neurological change for those neural pathways, CBT, DBT, Gestalt. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Uh, we got to help. We got to help. We got to help people. You know, what's that? That modality is, you know. The most effective ones, all the, uh, uh, they found out there was a relationship between the patient, or in my words, the client and mm -hmm. the therapist was the most important modality. By far, the relationship. And um, that's what I try to do, build a relationship with my clients. 
you know. And um, yeah, there's new neural pathways that can be formed that way. I hope. Yeah. So just so we, uh, I mean, I'm sure there was some funny moments, but it's up to you if you want to share on like maybe funny moments that you've had. I know you shared one with me, but it's up to you if you want to share. If you want to share it on the podcast, obviously you don't have to be specific. One that I did, I, 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 I mentioned to you was um, when one time I showed up to your office and there was a couple leaving. And the guy, the guy was like, oh, fucking guy in there, man. You wouldn't let me fucking talk. And he, I was just like, you know what, buddy? We're paying and we're here and you're going to let me talk and you're going to blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I was like, oh, man, this guy. And the, you guys just see the girl's face was like, we were just in there for an hour and you did not understand anything. And you're so like, you could just tell that he was so clueless. And he was like, he felt like he showed up to put you in your place or like to tell you off. You know what I mean? Obviously, I wasn't in the session, but I just saw that in that, you know, whatever minute that I saw him walking and talking to his woman and was like, this fucking guy, man, you know, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed those uh, those guys that are all right. That narcissistic personality uh, disorder, those traits are coming out that it's, you know, that's ones that say, hey, it's all about frequency. What do you mean frequency? Yeah, there's, there's not enough sex in this marriage. You know, frequency, that's the problem. If, if there was enough sex, this thing would be solved. Tell me, how to, be fix her. Tell me how to fix her. She's yeah, the yeah, problem. Yeah, she's the problem. And she's not talking about frequency. She's talking about quality. Okay? Quality, not frequency. So she, he, you know, she wants Ruth Chris. What does he want? He wants those taco shops, right? Hey, one time, let's go McDonald's. Let's say McDonald's, no taco shop, because some taco shops are solid. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd see, uh, yeah, I, uh, I see. Uh...